1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. today as we typically do Mondays Wednesdays Thursdays and Fridays another reminder here for you last day to get yourself eligible for the sixth row hoops tickets the hoops contest downtown Phoenix tickets include drinks food it's a pretty sweet prize and sixth row hoops tickets not a bad place to watch the game download the kdos 1060 app if you haven't already done so make sure you are registered so we know who you are and we can find your information to be able to help you and present you with uh the prizes so that's what you need to do to get yourself eligible today is the last day to do so for those sixth row hoops tickets but next week uh the waste management phoenix open is here so there's still some time left for those tickets uh also that is through the k KDOS 1060 app, so make sure you are downloading the KDOS 1060 app. Apple and Android users, getting yourself registered, and click on what you need to to be a part of the listener rewards for the prizes that we have ongoing right now. Let's reset the scene, though, with today's poll questions and get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. In regards to Pac-12 hoops and the specifically to the U of A, if you want a nuanced conversation about Pac-12 basketball, you can podcast that over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app, as Bob had a great conversation with Roxy Bernstein. In per- pertaining to the question, though, will the U of A men's basketball team advance beyond the Sweet 16? And this remains pretty close. Uh, No out in front, though, now at 59% of the vote. And yes is sitting at 41% of the vote. A question that we'll officially answer around 1230 today. Tossing it on over to X at KDUS AM 1060 are the Cubs legitimate NL contenders if they re-sign Cody Bellinger. Masses are still fairly convinced here. Yes, at 72.7% of the vote. No sitting at 27.1%. That's over on X at KDUS AM 1060. We did have one person comment in here and said, come on, man, it's the Cubs. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Okay, I guess that's an anti-Cubs person, I'm guessing. I'm guessing so, yes. Okay, okay. Well, they if the season would have ended like two weeks before the end, they would have um, been in the playoffs last year. But then, unfortunately for the Cubs, they played the last two weeks of the regular season. <laughs> we'll take your phone calls in this hour. 602-260-1060 is the number around 1215 today. Also get into the PGA Tour a bit here uh, with the second. It's technically the second signature event of the season at Pebble Beach this week and plenty of other information going on in the world of golf. So we'll do that here on the other side of the break. But for now, let's dive into the NFL and we'll start with the breaking news from uh, last hour, which regarding the hiring of Mike McDonald to the Seattle Seahawks. So there now is just one team left to hire a head coach, and that would be the Commanders. And their um, 
trying to figure out what to do because it seemed like they were coming in to go interview Ben Johnson again and really making that final full court press that he's going to be our guy. Uh, but then Ben Johnson yesterday opted to stay with the Lions as their offensive coordinator. If I've got my story straight here, and I'm pretty sure I do, you know, the commanders were actually flying to Detroit to interview Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn from the Lions staff. And while they were on the plane is when they found out that Johnson had decided not to you know, interview with them. You know, there's lots of speculation out there that his supposed $15 million price tag as a head coach for a first-time head coach might have scared off uh, somebody, and maybe that's why I, something, I played a role here. Uh, but they did actually, I guess they maybe, you know, maybe they wanted to interview Aaron Glenn no matter what. But uh, they figured, I guess, that they went to Detroit, then we might as well interview Aaron Glenn, even if Ben Johnson's not our guy. And apparently they did interview Aaron Glenn face-to-face. That's good that they didn't just turn the plane around, that they uh, (laughs) (laughs) We got to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Turn this thing around. Exactly. Daniel Snyder would have done that. Well, Daniel Snyder would have never done that. Never would have flown to Detroit to start with. But uh, whatever. You You know, Prior to uh, last hour when the Seahawks made their announcement of hiring Mike McDonald, I had written here on my notes with the Seahawks and the commanders being the last two to hire, sometimes you get a little bit uh, jittery about being the last team to hire. I don't know if that's necessarily the position that's appropriate to take, though. But I thought it was interesting that it seemed like the Seahawks' job was Dan Quinn's. And then out of the coaching candidates remaining, to me it felt like Mike Vrabel was a perfect fit for Seattle, but he hadn't even been interviewed. But now Mike McDonald maybe is also um, solidifying in that defensive theme, if you will. That's true, and I think that uh, defense would be the you know, it's the right way for them to go. I mean, they, you know, they spent they've got some talented offensive players. It'd be nice if they could ever get their offensive line intact, which I don't think was intact for one single game this past year. The five guys they wanted, uh, you know, we it seemed like we spent like half of the, or at least I did, uh, maybe too much of the Friday spread talking about all the Seattle offensive line injuries every week. Uh, but I thought they were pertinent. Uh, so hopefully those guys can get healthy or they get some guys that are more uh, apt to not be injured uh, and so forth. But you know, they've got some defensive players, certainly in the secondary. Uh, they spent a whole lot of money last offseason in free agency because, remember, they had the surprise season in 2022, thought they were going to take the next step, but their defense just didn't make plays, uh, especially their front seven. It was pretty easy to run against them. Uh, in fact, it was really easy to run against them, including Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a good example of this, which had problems running against seemingly almost everybody. And uh, towards uh, week 17, 17 uh, Pittsburgh ran for like 7,000 yards against Seattle. You mentioned Pittsburgh. I don't know if this has officially been official, but at least the reports yesterday were that Arthur Smith is being hired as the new Steelers offensive coordinator. This seems to be like the perfect match. I don't know if it's going to work, but just like the historically the perfect match. I mean, Pittsburgh, you know, they've run the ball forever, and I understand why they've run the ball forever. Uh, part of the deal is, you know, the weather situation. You've got to be able to run the ball in, uh, you know, the cold weather months and in the postseason if they make it to be successful. 
And then Arthur Smith is the king of, I'm going to run the ball, <laughs> no matter what. Uh, and they've, he's also the king of using multiple running backs to run the ball, and Pittsburgh has multiple running backs. So in those, those areas, this seems to be kind of a pretty obvious fit, quite frankly. We'll see if it actually works. Yeah, that's going to be the big area. And then just also in general, what are the Steelers going to do at the quarterback position? I thought I had heard or seen something that Art Rooney was talking about how um, they felt confident in Mason Rudolph, but obviously you still have Kenny Pickett on the roster. And also maybe you should go in a different direction at quarterback. And Rooney almost never, he talked at the Senior Bowl earlier this week. He He rarely talks publicly. Uh, and then what he said, I was confused at what he said. So I didn't hear him say it. So maybe, uh, you know, when you read something, read quotes, sometimes you, you're kind of misled to what they actually meant and so forth. Kind of like text messages or something. You, you don't, you don't you get the entire picture sometimes of what the uh, person texting you is trying to uh, communicate. <laughs> so I, that was part of the deal there. Uh, I will say that uh, to repeat from earlier, Mike Tomlin is part of the coaching staff at the Senior Bowl, and he's going to get a look at the eight quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl. Then you have, uh, we already mentioned that Ben Johnson is staying with the Lions, but then you also have for the Texans, offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick uh, received a contract extension. He's back as offensive coordinator. And also Texans quarterback coach Gerard Johnson, he's staying in Houston. He was getting some interviews for offensive coordinator positions. He, too, received a contract extension and a raise. uh, So he'll continue to work with C.J. Stroud. That's good, even though I heard just a few hours you know, this, earlier this morning on Good Morning Football that uh, Slowick might still be a candidate for the commanders. And uh, I'm sure that his contract extension, quote-unquote, with the Texans, there's an out on that if he gets a head coaching job somewhere. Then you have the Panthers bringing in wide receiver coach Brad Idzik as their offensive coordinator. He was uh, the uh, – I should say he was the Buccaneers wide receiver coach, and so now he's following Dave Canales over there with Carolina trying to get the most out of Bryce Young. Well, maybe they can get him to grow. Okay, I'm going to keep using this top, uh, this, this line until you know, he either grows or becomes a competent NFL quarterback. And then the Chargers hired Joe Hortiz as their new general manager. He was the director of player personnel with the Ravens. Uh, also kind of looking at things, it looks like the Patriots remain the last team to hire a general manager. Okay, this also, going back to the Chargers thing, this you know, the connect the dots thing that I like to do probably more than I should. Uh, but, you know, obviously Harbaugh, last name Harbaugh, uh, is now the coach with the Chargers. And, uh, you know, the new general manager came from Baltimore, who was coached by Harbaugh. (laughs) There we go. We've all come full circle. I did see that uh, reportedly Jim Harbaugh is getting $16 million a year to uh, coach the Chargers. Yeah, that's about, you know, I don't remember, uh, you know, get confused in my, you know, salary, uh, you know, figures around the NFL and college football. That seems to be about the general area where Michigan was offering him to become the highest paid head coach in college football. So if that's the case, then he didn't really jump for money. Then he jumped for the chance at a Lombardi. That Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, uh, he's one guy. Uh, there's a few others, I'm sure. But he's one guy that I feel relatively confident 
that his uh, final decision would be not judged on money. Plus, his wife really likes California, apparently, and they, you know, I don't know if he met his wife there. Uh, I'm not sure how that all worked out when he met her, but uh, she seemed to be a big fan of moving to California. And, you know, whether, you know, I'd be saying this if I weren't an Ohio State fan, Ann Arbor or Southern California? Let me think this over. Other than the taxes in Southern California or California, the state of California, I can't think of a good idea or good reason that Ann Arbor would be the answer to that question. <laughs> 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll take your calls now and talk to you on the other side of the break. In addition to that, we'll touch on what's going on with the PGA Tour. Uh, there's been... One more defection from the PGA Tour to live as Live Golf gets started here soon. In addition to that, the PGA Tour uh, has an investment group, and it's not necessarily who you think it is. So we'll dive into that here, plus what's going on on the golf course at Pebble Beach. And then if we have some time, we can also dive into some college hoops. We'll, we'll play it by ear if you call 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in it is the extra point on this wednesday january 31st bob camp kayla mortellaro here with you up until one o'clock today Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. point on kdos am 1060 as always follow along with us online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app 602-260-1060 if you'd like to chime in briefly get into a little bit about the pga tour ahead of the technical second signature event of the season it's a little bit different because it does have 80 golfers, which is going to be the most out of any of the signature events. The signature events, once again, are no-cut events. Um, and it's at Pebble Beach. There's still the Pro-Am component, but then the Pro-Am component goes away. It's a little bit more confusing. Plus, it used to be that this event was held and contested at three golf courses. Now it's only going to be at two golf courses, which includes you play one round at Pebble, one round at Spyglass Hill, and then rounds three and four are both at Pebble Beach. So when you think about the iconic Pebble Beach golf course, uh, it doesn't necessarily reward those who are known as really good ball strikers and can absolutely hit bombs off the golf tee uh off the tee it rewards more of some strategic type play and it sometimes takes driver out of your hands as well you're more or less laying up into certain approach type areas so maybe players who are really good at uh you know being able to hit in from 125 to 150 yards looking in those kind of bucket categories if you will is something to pay attention to also pebble beach uh, the greens, they're not very large complexes, so uh, you're going to need to either look at really good ball strikers that are going to be able to hit those greens, or you're going to need to look at players who have great scrambling skills and uh, strokes gained around the greens. So those are some areas that you're going to want to look in. It's also another West Coast putting week with Poana Greens. So 
Sometimes that's uh, great for guys. Sometimes it's not. So paying attention to those sorts of things are important for who we're selecting this week. The weather, though, that's the interesting thing that's going to be taking place this week. It's supposed to rain every day, and it's also only supposed to be in the high of, like, mid-50s. So if there's rain and if there's wind, that's going to be – plus all that stuff coming off of the coast – that's going to be a brutal week of golf. So who's just kind of capable of being able to um, kind of just figure out how to get the ball in the hole? Uh, the odds-on favorites heading into the week is Rory McIlroy at plus 800, Scotty Scheffler at plus 800, Xander Shoffley at 12-1, to 1, and Victor Hovland 12-1. to 1. I'm thinking um, for an outright here, Victor Hovland, 12-1. to 1. He finished tied for 13th in 2023. He won the U.S. Amateur here in 2019. We haven't seen him in a while. Uh, he did play the century where he finished tied for 22nd, but he certainly has the ball-striking capabilities to get it around Pebble Beach. Matthew Fitzpatrick at 35-1. to 1. Scrambling, he's ranked 13th. In stroke screened around the green, he's ranked 31st. And in the 125-150 to 150 bucket, he comes in at 22nd. Then a long shot we have is Eric Cole at 60-1. to 1. We're also taking him plus 180 to finish in the top 20. He is coming off of a missed cut, but I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, T15 in 2023, 39th in 125-150 to 150 categories, 13th in 100 to 125 categories and 16th in strokes gained around the green and then our other long shot here in the top 20 category we're going adam hadwin top 20 at plus 230 a couple of other news and notes from around the world of golf you have tyrell hatton who left and has officially been announced to have joined live he is joining john rom's team so tyrell hatton no longer part of the pga tour his he has joined live golf and officially withdrew this week from the pebble beach event i believe uh hayden buckley ended up getting his spot in that withdrawal the pga tour also has been trying to figure out uh who they're going to partner up with and the shock of the the summer last year was when they announced that they had joined forces if you will with a pga tour enterprise with pif uh the saudi arabia public investment fund well they were supposed to come up with an agreement uh by december 31st that agreement didn't come to fruition they pushed the date back to now supposedly sometime around uh the masters event There's still no word on what the direction is of that particular uh, relationship and how that's going to come together. Instead, it was announced today that the PGA Tour and the Strategic Sports Group have reached an agreement that will see a consortium of investors and sports franchise owners infusing $3 billion into the tour. Uh, The agreement will result in the launch of the PGA Tour Enterprises, which uh, is a commercial venture so that the PGA Tour has control over it. Players will have equity in this company. And uh, as far as I am aware, Jay Monahan will continue to be the CEO here. So that's the latest on that portion of things. I don't really know if this means anything to... Two fans, really, other than it's still just kind of a really sad state of where golf is being divided in so many different ways um, in terms of who's leaving for what tour, this, that, whatever. So um, 
obviously the PGA Tour needed this sort of investment here, and we'll see if anything comes together with PIF, which would ultimately, I think, merge uh, like Live and the PGA Tour back together. So uh, until then, this is the new direction that the PGA Tour is going with the strategic sports group, but it does include plenty of owners. I think I saw like the Mets owner, Steve Cohen. I've seen uh, the Red Sox owners. I think I saw the Bucks owners. So there's plenty of sports connection to uh, this strategic sports group. So I guess it's appropriately named, if you will. Okay, two quick things here. One, I'm sure the Red Sox fans <clears throat> would prefer they put more money into the Red Sox because they're not signing any free agents. Uh, the other thing is, question, uh, back to the uh, Pebble Beach thing, I saw that Tom Brady's playing. Is he a good golfer? You know, he's actually not too bad. Um, he played actually in that, I don't remember what installment of the match it was, but he did play and he wasn't actually playing very well until he holed out from the middle of the fairway. Um, but no, (laughs) but I I do think he's actually, he's not bad. He's, he's not a bad golfer. Okay. Okay. It's curious. Yeah. And I think Josh Allen's set to play too. Yeah, I, they had, that's where I saw the NFL. They, they mentioned that yesterday. I saw this on the NFL Network yesterday. They mentioned Allen was playing. They mentioned a couple other guys, but I can't remember who they were. Sorry. Tom Brady is doing his uh, his tour. He's making his rounds uh, because his company merged with No Bull. So TB, TB12 is now going to be having a – there's all these partnerships and alliances forming and things. But, yeah, so his okay. – um, the, the supplements and his pliability and all of that sort of things are merging with No Bull, which happened to be a Boston-related company. They, they make shoes. They make clothes. They also have, like, a health lifestyle that they're also trying to uh, promote. So that's why that merger all came together. Okay, so that would be – I was going to ask you what No Bull is, but you just answered the question, <laughs> and there's no way I would know what that is. I mean, because I have – you know, th- those things that you mentioned, uh, that's you know, not, nobody's ever connected me with any of those things. <laughs> so. There we go. Uh, we'll transition away from the world of golf, and we'll get in here to the world of college basketball. And Joe Lenardi has his latest basketball uh, men's college ba- uh, bracketology, which was updated yesterday morning. Conference breakdown wise, the Big 12 has nine teams in his mock. SEC that's, eight. That's all? Yeah, right, exactly. It was like 11 last week, maybe. I think it was, was it 11 last week? I think it was. So a couple teams, they keep playing each other. They're going to knock them. Some of, some of these teams are going to get knocked down a little bit. Yeah. The SEC is in with eight, the Big East six, the Big 10 six, Mountain West five, Pac 12 three the ACC 3, American Conference 3, and Atlantic 10 too. I wanted to ask you, though, about the ACC. In his mock, he has Duke as a four seed, Clemson as a six seed, and UNC as a one seed. But do you remember a time when the ACC was down like this? Last year? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But it wasn't very good last year. Uh, You know, Carolina wasn't even any good last year. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's actually – you know, we're going to, you know, I've already kind of, you know, tomorrow we're going to do a college basketball, around college basketball segment uh, with Kerry Miller in the 10-15 segment of the sports zone. And one of my questions is going to be, how's the ACC is already, you know, why have they reached this level? And it's not just this year. You know, last year they weren't very good either. Uh, you know, they had a kind of a you know, regular season that really weren't very good. 
And, uh, you know, they had Miami of Florida had a surprising run. They're maybe not surprising because they were in the you know, last couple of years, they've been good in the tournament. Uh, but, you know, I, I have no idea how this rich basketball conference, which arguably, and I don't even think arguably, has been the best basketball conference in college basketball this century uh, until the last couple of years. Why are they reached this level? And it's, it's not good. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really put too much into Carolina losing last night to uh, to Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, kudos to Georgia Tech and Damon Stoudemire, former U of A player. They've now beaten three ranked teams this year, but they're not very good. But they've got some good young players. But, you know, Carolina plays Duke on Saturday. <laughs> so I think that was clearly a look-ahead thing. I'm curious whether Kentucky, which plays Florida tonight, uh, just looking ahead because Kentucky plays Tennessee on Saturday, and Tennessee lost last night uh, at home to South Carolina, and South Carolina is good, but I think that Tennessee might have look, been looking ahead a little bit to Kentucky. And Saturday's college basketball schedule, unlike last Saturday, which was not good. In fact, I hardly watched any college basketball last week. I did fantasy baseball research for like 12 hours last Saturday. Uh, instead of I had games on and just didn't just kind of sort of paid attention to make sure nothing crazy was happening. Uh, but this week's schedule on Saturday is by far, and Sunday for that matter, combine the two, by far the best uh, weekend of the college basketball season, the best two-day stretch of the college basketball season to date, not even close. There are some monster matchups this weekend. Last in, according to Lenardi, uh, has Nebraska, Seton Hall, Colorado, Boise State. First four out for him, Villanova, Cincinnati, WSU, and uh, Gonzaga. I mentioned Villanova yesterday. They're the most, uh, they're the worst coach team in college basketball. Uh, the fact they should not, they should be a top, just talent alone, at worst, a top five seed uh, somewhere. And uh, the fact that and they, I, I completely agree with Lenardi, this is where they belong. Uh, they lost another game last night. They lost at home. Marquette's good. Uh, but, you know, they just do stupid things at the end of games. This has been going on for two years now. Obviously, Jay Wright retired. And, uh, you know, the you know, coaching staff that has uh, been you know, basically you know, taken over, they're clueless. Uh, they do just some of the dumbest things that you've ever seen. And this is from a Villanova program with Jay Wright that was the smartest team in college basketball. And many years, my favorite team to watch in college basketball. I wanted to do a bit of a comparison here with CBSSports.com's Jerry Palm and what he had updated for him on 129. Last four in for him are Texas, Nevada, Virginia Tech, and Michigan State. And the first four out for him, Seton Hall, Butler, Florida, and Oregon. Yeah, Oregon's got some uh, some work to do. Obviously, uh, if they could have beaten U of A last week, I'm sure they would not even be near the last four out or you know last four in, however that goes. Uh, you know, but they you know, like the Pac-12 is so bad this year uh, that uh, if you don't beat the U of A, we, when are you going to get a win that's going to really impress the uh, committee or and boost your power ranking or whatever? Uh, if you could, anybody could win a game at Utah, that would be helpful. But Utah is, I'm pretty sure, undefeated at home and has not won a conference road game. <laughs> so 
They lost by 40. Uh, well, I, think, I don't know what the final score was. They were trailing by 40 at Washington last Saturday night. They don't lose at home, but they lose by 40 on the road. So that just kind of uh, uh, gives you an idea of where the Pac-12 stands. And you know, so I, you know, I'm not sure if they're still a quad one team or not. I can't imagine they are after the last road trip. Uh, but it's a, uh, you know, the Oregon needs to win pretty much every game now. The two of their big guys, I talked about this with Roxy in the first hour today. Uh, two of their big guys, you know, have missed substantial time. Uh, we usually count on Dane Altman's teams to improve during the season. They didn't last year. They had injuries last year too. Uh, so I'm going to keep waiting for them to take the next step. And uh, maybe I just was completely, you know, my opinion was completely, you know, warped last week when they just destroyed ASU in the second half of that game and. Yeah, made, was it 13 or 14 consecutive shots, which is like impossible. Uh, and I thought, okay, now Oregon's rolling. And then the U of A goes in there on Saturday. And the U of A, which was one in three in conference road games until last Saturday when they won a Eugene by a lot. Uh, you know, that, 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 that whole thing confused me. So now I don't know what to think of Oregon. But uh, they're very talented. In Colorado, I actually think if they're healthy, which has been unfortunately seldom this year, when they're healthy, I actually think I could make a case that they're the best, they're the most talented team in the conference, including the U of A. Uh, Lenardi does have Colorado as the one of the three Pac-12 teams that he has listed. He has U of A as the two seed, Utah as a nine seed, and Colorado as an 11 seed in the play-in right now. Surprised that Utah is still a nine, but like I said, they're great at home and just awful on the road. And yeah, unless they uh, you know, move the tournament to you know Salt Lake City, and they've played some tournament games in Salt Lake, Salt Lake City before, but they wouldn't be allowed to play on their home court. Uh, so you know they're you know, this year in college basketball. Another thing I'm going to talk to Kerry about tomorrow is uh, I've never seen this many unranked teams beat top ten teams ever. I don't know if that's actually backed up by real numbers, but it seems like every night there's some of this that occurs. It's poll question time, and we get to it on the other side of the break. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. Poll questions get answered next. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com. And with that KDUS 1060 app, some pretty sweet prizes the six throw hoops tickets, though, contest ends today. So make sure you're downloading the KDOS 1060 app and getting yourself registered to follow along with the listener rewards uh, opportunities for you as the contest for those six throw hoops tickets contested in downtown Phoenix. All the food, all the drink included ends today. Let's get into the poll questions, though, as it's poll question time. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Uh, will the U of A men's basketball team advance beyond the Sweet 16? 
I would be surprised if they actually reach the Sweet 16, let alone go to the Elite Eight. Uh, the Wildcats are great at home, uh, below average on the road. Uh, before the game against Oregon on Saturday, they were 1-3 in the Pac-12 road. Uh, the win was at Cal. At Cal. So you know, that still counts, but that was the one win. Unbeaten in McHale Center, but the NCAA tournament, much like with Utah, is not being played in Tucson. Uh, so that's, that's, that's not a good thing for them. Looking ahead, and I mean I'm looking ahead, uh, the U of A likely, I think they're just going to be an above-average basketball program when it moves to the Big 12 next season. The Big 12 has been the best conference in college basketball for three straight years. Uh, as you just mentioned with the Lenardi thing, nine teams from the Big 12, which I think currently this year has 14 teams, uh, nine of the 14 in the uh, in the uh, NCAA tournament. I think this this current U of A team would roughly be a 500 team in Big 12 conference play. Uh, the U of A has already lost this season at Stanford. They lost at Washington State. They lost at Oregon State. The road schedule is going to be significantly more difficult next season. In conclusion, the U of A basketball team, I think, uh, you know, struggles in the Big 12. I just don't, I, I see, you know, like, seemingly a half dozen teams every night watching college basketball in depth as I do now pretty much every night. Of like a half dozen teams, I think that team can beat the U of A in the NCAA tournament. Uh, get back to the Big 12 thing. If the U of A is going to be an average team, in my opinion, in the Big 12 basketball-wise, I can't imagine how bad ASU is going to be. Uh, I think that ASU will be fortunate to win five Big 12 games next season. Um, for me here, yeah, I think unless something changes, I say that it's probably unlikely uh, that that's the case for U of A to advance beyond the Sweet 16. You can never say never, and, and certainly however things shape up with the bracket, too, is always um, – could play into that factor as well. But I, I think we've seen that the Wildcats can certainly score some points. Can they play complementary basketball, however? Not so certain. Uh, so at least in the fictional uh, Sweet 16, without seeing any sort of bracket or whatever, I would say no. I like that fictional word there. I should have stolen that. Well, I couldn't steal it if I didn't know it beforehand. But I'll, I'll try to steal that in the future. Next time, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the masses, they have now shifted, though. They're on the yes side of things at 51% of the vote, no sitting at 49%. So that's uh, the closest it's been so far, and yes wins out today. Over on X at KDOS AM 1060, are the Cubs legitimate NL contenders if they sign Cody Bellinger? I mentioned this at the top of our number one, that first of all, it definitely seems like the market was not all that robust for Cody Bellinger. If it looks like uh, the best place for him to go back to is going to be with the Cubs. But I'd say that uh, this is kind of an interesting question because the Cubs were right there. They were right in the thick of things for, for a wild card spot with the season coming down down the stretch last year and faded a little bit there, obviously, uh, not earning that wild card position. But they haven't really done 
anything crazy in the off season to really catch your attention. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what we're considering um, contenders. If we're considering making another wild card push, or if we're saying like they're going to uh, be the ones representing in the World Series right now on paper. Uh, but obviously, I think if you don't bring Cody Bellinger back and he doesn't have the production that he had last year, you certainly have uh, no chance of repeating at least that wild card push. I think that's fair. Uh, he's certainly a, he's a pure talent, uh, largely because I think he's a spectacular defensive player. However, playing at Wrigley Field, if he's in center field, he doesn't have to cover a lot of ground. There's not much ground to have to cover in center field. I think he'd be better in other places it's just as far as a defensive player goes. Um, if he's a, he's a real, he's, he's an excellent first baseman, but I think actually playing at first base is not fully utilizing his skill level. Uh, my biggest concern about Bellinger, though, is when we talk about his plate skills. You know, you know, like many others, uh, he posted his best career numbers when the juice ball era was obvious. Uh, before last season, uh, he had had major issues for nearly three years catching up to high fastballs. You know, there was some kind of adjustment made because he didn't have that problem for the most part last year. Uh, the 2024 Cubs, there, I think, have a chance. In fact, if I had to guess right now or make a prediction right now, I think they're the best team in the NL Central. That's largely because I think the Reds are just a you know philosophical and you know a mess. They've got a ton of talented players. They all seem to play like the same positions. Uh, still not sold on their pitching. The Cardinals have talent. They've added some pitching in the offseason, but they've got I think questionable direction in St. Louis. Uh, the Cubs have added Craig Council, who I think is the National League's best manager. They took him away from Milwaukee. Milwaukee apparently is like tanking the season with uh, what they've done in the offseason. Uh, they did spend a little money on Reese Hoskins last week, but Milwaukee's not going to be the Milwaukee that we've seen the last few years when they were at least a you know, team that either made the playoffs or were a playoff contender. So that's not good. So the Cubs, I think, are going to win the division. But I don't think they're legitimate contenders because the Dodgers, Braves, and Phillies – are definitely better in the National League. The Diamondbacks have better pitching and defense than the Cubs. And I think the Giants, with Bob Melvin as the manager now, might be better than the Cubs also. The Giants might be the sleeper team here. I don't know if sleeper is even the right term. I'm sure other people think the same as I do. Uh, they've made some player acquisitions, and then Bob Melvin, instead of Gabe Kapler, is like one of the greatest managerial upgrades in the history of the sport. And I'm not exaggerating there at all. Uh, basically, bottom line here, I think the Cubs are the fifth or sixth best team in the National League, and that can't be a legitimate contender. Uh, the masses, they are on the yes side of things here at 72.7% of the vote. No sitting at 27.3%. This is over on X at KDOS AM 1060. We'll head out to break here for the final time for this Wednesday, January 31st edition of The Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. One final time as well for you to get yourself registered for some pretty sweet Sixth row hoops tickets. The game contested downtown Phoenix, all the food, all the drink included. Plus, 
There's a golf tournament coming to town next week. That's the WM Phoenix Open, and we have general admissions tickets available for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Also, to get yourself registered for that, it's through the KDOS 1060 app. Select that for how to get involved with all of the listener rewards ready for you with the KDOS 1060 app. We wrap it up on the other side of the break. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else soups the cracks. Also, our guest today, a Pac-12 basketball update. We went through almost every team in the conference with Roxy Bernstein of Pac-12 Networks and also ESPN. On Thursday at 10.15, more college basketball talk around the world of college basketball with Kerry Miller of Bleacher Report. On Friday at 10.15, we'll talk Kansas hoops and also preview the big game on Saturday against Houston with Matt Tate. Uh, sound of the day courtesy of Pac-12 Network. Uh, also, Fox WSCR, the flagship of the Cubs in Chicago. Uh, 3TV and also the Yes Network. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Coming up next from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Show with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6, and then also you have Top of the Valley with Coach A, hosted by Jeff Munn. That'll take place at 7 o'clock tonight, all happening here on KDOS AM 1060. And as always, and a reminder here for you, you can pop on over to KDOS1060.com, click on the Live Sports tab as uh, we have ASU women's basketball, NAU men's basketball, and we also now have up the schedule for ASU baseball. First game for the Sun Devils is set to air on our airwaves February 16th. The Suns, they are in Brooklyn tonight taking on the Nets 6.30 p.m. on ABC. Now, did you see that uh, there was some sort of conversation in the media about uh, a, a tribute video to Kevin Durant, and he, he responded with, nah, I don't need a tribute video video don't do that uh the night will be better without it okay well whatever uh, i mean obviously his first game back in brooklyn since the trade about a year ago uh the suns i'm just uh looking right now they're a three-point favorite in this game against the nets andrew marchand here he uh is leaving the new york post to join the athletic Ooh. marchand though as Ooh, that's that's good yeah, we talk about him, um, and maybe not specifically him, but referencing uh, the things that he finds out in the sports media yes. world often. 
And the I don't know if this is the unfortunate part or if it's going to morph into something different, but because of his uh, movement onto the athletic, the Marshawn and John Auerand podcast will come to an end. Oh, which I you know, screwed up and never listened to. I should have listened to that. Yeah. I never knew. I didn't know it existed. <laughs> it's my bad. Some other bits of news here. The Fox broadcast of the Lions and the 49ers reached 56 million viewers and peaked at 59 million. The Ravens and the Chiefs averaged 55.47 million viewers and peaked at 64 million. I had to make sure I was reading that correctly. Uh, but so obviously here... Things are going really well in terms of people eyeballs watching the NFL. CBS for the postseason led all networks with an average of 45.607 million eyeballs watching the postseason this year. Yeah, um, no doubt. I mean, yeah, you, know, you can make a case the four best teams were the last four teams, right? So that's part of the deal. And also just horrendous weather for a second consecutive weekend in a lot of the, uh, not just the East Coast or the Midwest, there's bad weather in the West too. It's been a bad weather haven of the United States in many locations the last couple of weeks. The Baltimore Orioles team has been sold apparently $1.3 billion. And no more Angelos, which was... When he bought that team and you know, Camden Yards and whatever, I mean, that was a great thing. Uh, they were very competitive. And then uh, he and his son, um, I don't know who deserves the most blame here, but it's gone downhill quickly. They were obviously really good last year. I think they're going to be really good this year. Uh, if you're in fantasy baseball, they're kind of a nightmare to prepare for because they've got so many good young players, you don't know who's playing where. And whether some guys are even going to be in the major leagues at the start of the season, they got so many good young players. That'll do it for this Wednesday, January 31st edition of the Extra Point. If you haven't done so, download that KDOS 1060 app. Just trying to help you out, figure out how to get yourself a pretty sweet night out for some sixth row hoops tickets. The final day to get yourself involved is today, all with the KDOS 1060 app. Talk to you tomorrow, starting with the Sports Zone at 10 a.m.